Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Heading out west today for our guest, Kim Allen, uh, Sacramento Golden One Center. She is the director of Arena Marketing. Kim, thanks for making the time for us today. Not a problem. And good morning to you both or afternoon, I guess, now that you're on the East Coast. So, yeah. Yeah. So you are officially the first guest after our uh, EAMC virtual conference. We had our big event and arena marketing conference. Uh, Everything was virtual. We had a, a WWE guest open up for you. Yeah. So great. Drew McIntyre and now the headline act, Kim Allen, uh, you said you were feeling uh, no pressure at all today. Right. You know, hopefully, you know, the listeners don't drop off and you're like, you go from WWE superstar to just little old me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have had quite the adventure that we look forward to uh, digging into today. But but my first question is, you know, let's talk about let's talk about Sacramento. So I think, you know, everybody hears the name Golden One Center and Sacramento Kings, but not a lot of people have have been to Sacramento. So kind of set the scene for somebody, because you aren't native to Sacramento, but somebody who has moved there. And what's the the town like? What is the position in the market and in a, in a very crowded state for entertainment? Yes. No. I mean, like you said, I am originally from the Midwest and had not been to Sacramento until I came for an interview. And so I had been to California before. And so you hear California, you're like sun, beaches, um, you know, LA, San Francisco, but Sacramento, I had never been. And so when it came to it, I came and visited and In honesty, it's almost like the Midwest of California. You know, I felt like I came in and it was a, you know, not a small city, but somewhere where I felt manageable, where I felt like I could really fit in and live here and be super comfortable. And, you know, you drive outside of Sacramento and you're like in farmland. I'm like, where am I in at home (laughs) in California? And then, you know, we're close enough to the large cities that if you want that city life, I have it. But for me personally, I kind of enjoy the calmer setting. And so it's, it's great. It's, Northern California, it's hot in the summers, but amazing in the winters, you know, get away from the Midwest winters. And it's been a great transition. How do you, and I know that the team there at Golden One, how do you kind of make yourselves visible in California? As Because I know that's been a big priority for the arena from the time it opened up. Yes. And so I came in six months after the arena opened and they had already set you know, great stepping stones into the messaging of what this building is. We are 100% solar powered energy for the building. It's, you know, high tech. We love to tout all of the things that we are doing on that front. And we have an initiative with our food where 90% of our food comes from 150 miles away from the building. And so we really utilize the local farmers and, you know, the assets that we have to the market. And so it's a unique location. And so we make sure that we use um, what we have at our hands to make us thrive. You know, let's do what we can with what we've got. And so I feel like Golden One Center has really done a great job in utilizing what we've got. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that really sets you all apart from those other venues in California is your proximity to that countryside, like you said. And yeah, it's something that is becoming just even at EAMC Virtual, we had, uh, you know, a session about being green and touring green and stuff like that. And obviously there's Climate Pledge Arena, which is um, going to be opening soon. But I think Golden One really maybe kicked that off when they opened. I remember watching a video that you all put together that went through all the different green initiatives and talked about just having a chef on site and how we got all the products from like local farmers. And then it showed him preparing it in this kitchen. And I was like, what in the world? You know, going and seeing all these other arenas around the country, seeing just the amount of care and time and thought that went into every aspect of Golden One Center to really sort of embed it in the community, I think makes it stand out so much. Agreed. And, you know, coming from where I came from in the Midwest, you know, to a point we had that, but not to this extent. And to hear the stories, you know, of all our local eat stands where, you know, we're pulling the product from the markets, you know, we hear the stories of the butcher that raised all the farm animals, you know, how much they've kind of, you know, their business has boomed because our building opened up and we've been able to source their product. The farmers that are able to kind of utilize the produce that we are using in all of our foods. And so it's, it's local, it's farm to fork, it's, you know, everything that you want to tout in our own way. You guys call it farm to court, right? Uh, uh, there. And am I right that you are also 100% solar powered? Yes. And so, you know, we have solar panels on our building and it provides, I believe it's about 30% of the solar power for the building. And we do source the rest of the energy from a solar farm. But, you know, what we utilize on site is 100% solar power. And so over the summer, we also try to do solar days where um, we shut down as much of the building as we can if there's not a need to have anything open and really only use the solar power that is generated from our roof for those days. And so, you know, trying to minimize our impact on, you know, the energy here in California. And so just really doing what we can to make a difference. There are going to be dark days over the summer and with how hot in the um, solar energy that we are able to provide. It's it's amazing that we have this opportunity to do it. I know there's uh, a number of other really unique things you all do. Like you have, if I'm not mistaken, your own record store. Is that correct? In the lobby, you know, during normal times, normal non-pandemic, or at <laughs> least you had one. I thought yeah. that was really an interesting idea and thought. This was so cool. Yeah, you're right, Paul. Yes, we have amplified records. And so it was a thought thrown out to the wind to say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if? And the way the building is set up, unfortunately, our box office isn't in the most convenient places. So during a Kings game, if we wanted to run an offer to send people to the box office to buy tickets, it's not in the most ideal location for people to go. Like they essentially have to leave the building and then come back in through our media entrance to be able to purchase those tickets. So thought to the wind, you know, why don't we try to have something that we could really utilize in arena? And so take it a next step. Why don't we make it a record store and work with our local record company to source records of upcoming artists? Take it a step further and also include, you know, being able to buy tickets. And so it ended up working out. We were able to create this space in an old merch stand. So it was an old team store that didn't really sell as much as we'd wanted. So we converted it. 
into a record store, a box office utilized during Kings games. And, you know, we've been able to run promotions out of there. We were able to launch it with Steve Aoki kind of being able to push some of his records from there as well during one of the Kings games where he was um, performing at. And so it really took on its own presence. And, you know, it really just stemmed from being able to sell tickets to people coming to Kings games. Yeah, well, I mean, that's so clever. I love that idea of wouldn't it be cool if... Yeah, because I'll tell you, a lot of us in this industry have those conversations, but nothing ever comes of it. To be in a place that takes advantage of that is a great opportunity. Over 68% of the country is now streaming their TV content. With live events finally coming back, are you getting your message in front of your potential customers who are streaming? Traditional television advertising is becoming a thing of the past. Over-the-top marketing specializes in buying OTT and connected TV media, and that is all they do. Over-the-top finds your potential ticket buyers in the specific geography that makes sense for the event. Over-the-top has become a leader in the OTT space, even if you're already working with an agency. It'd be worth your time to compare services and pricing. Don't blanket a campaign when you can target it. Work with the top OTT agency in the live event industry. Go to OTTLiveEvents.com now to learn more and get a free assessment of your needs. That's OTTLiveEvents.com or you can call 1-888-212-8714. Golden One Center obviously uh, launched out to a huge start, and then the last uh, year and a half have been kind of interesting. Walk us through what things have been like for you uh, during the pandemic from that time of March 2020 to, to where we are today. Yeah, I mean, I remember going going back to the start of all of this. It was, you know, the Sacramento Kings had a game against the New Orleans Pelicans. It was going to be nationally televised. I think it was the first one of the season, so we were amped pumped cut to the game they canceled it you know it was the we I believe we had the Dallas game was right before that and they started shutting things down then it was our game and it was like fans were in the building we had to you actually had people in the building oh yeah we had people in the building you know it was the mumblings of like the phones going off and everyone's like what is going on you know we were able to throw up the message say um, you know the game has been canceled And I believe we were in the office the rest of that week before, you know, our business itself said, you know, everyone is going to be working from home. Who would have thought that the industry could have shut down as it did, but it did. And we tried to do whatever we could after that to kind of follow up on projects, wrap up the season, do what we could, because there was so much that no one knew. And so we were kind of just flying by the seat of our pants to try to figure things out. And then as we got closer and we had to start canceling, postponing and doing things, unfortunately, I was furloughed starting in, I believe it was June, June 1st was my first day. And so, you know, I was able to kind of close out as much as I can, but then I was furloughed for six months. And unfortunately, you know, it was just a time of reflection. You know, I work in an industry where I never would have thought things would have shut down, but they did. And um, it kind of just made you reflect on, wow, what do I do? You know, this is what something I've kind of put my life into for over a decade. And now what? I work in events. There was always going to be events in my head. You know, people would always need something to, you know, laugh and smile and go and enjoy. And 
to have that completely shut down was eye-opening, but knock on wood, I came out of it better than a lot. And so I'm very fortunate in that regard. And so I kind of take it with a grain of salt and kind of glass half full and kind of just go from there. During the, the furlough period, did you did you think about leaving the industry? Did you think about like, oh, if the live entertainment industry doesn't come back, what, what am I going to do? Did you get to that point? I, it kind of lingered in my mind, but I can't say that I was ready to take that jump yet. You know, I was the reason that me and my husband had moved across the country. And so (laughs) (laughs) we had packed up our lives and moved to California for my job. And so it was one of those, I I was going to wait it out as long as I could. And so I didn't look into other employment. I try to kind of just hone my skills and just kind of look back and just do things that made me happy. You know, I did a lot of reading. I watched TV and Netflix, but as much as you can, I, I got tired of that very quickly, but, you know, just kind of going back to doing the things that we never had time for and, or just doing nothing and being able to enjoy the freedom of just being able to enjoy some time to yourself. That's a great way to put it. I think so many, uh, you know, I was, as someone who was also furloughed, it was one of those things that of course you take the time to reflect on your current situation, but also working in live events, you're so run and gun all the time. You honestly can't almost appreciate the downtime because your mind is going at a hundred percent all the time. So even when you're not working an event, you're thinking, what's that next promotion I've got to work on? Oh, I've got this meeting this afternoon. Oh, I've got this on Monday. So it's like, you're always go, go, go. And so I think that was an interesting adjustment, but something that I feel like I'm better for, and you spoke to it as well, that you're better for is that, you know, it allowed us to sort of appreciate the downtime and the importance of the downtime that maybe we didn't quite look at the same way prior to this last year. Agreed. Well, I definitely uh, felt, you know, you know, as, as I watched so many of my good friends get uh, furloughed and, you know, I went through a redeployment and it was a rough time, but uh, I know that things are getting busy uh, and uh, getting back into the swing of live events. And, and I look forward to talking to you about that here in a minute, but want to take things back uh, a ways a minute. I know you said you're from the Midwest, but Kim, where were you born? I was born in Beloit, Wisconsin and raised in South Beloit, Illinois. So state line of the Illinois-Wisconsin border. Did I hear the city name was the same, but on in two different states? Correct. So South Beloit, <laughs> Illinois is just, just under the border. <laughs> is there a rivalry between the two states? No, not well, no, not at all. Well, other than like football, you know, Bears versus sure. Packer fans. And I <laughs> oh, for yeah. some reason I grew up a Packer fan living in Illinois. So that was always contentious. But you know, that's the most of it. But people make fun, but it's all all in good fun. So from there, um, what made you an, a, a fan of the, the live event industry? What kind of sparked that interest for you? You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't think I knew that I had this interest until I went to college. I went to South Lloyd, Illinois, um, high school. I honestly graduated. I think the count was like 34 kids. You know, there's 5,000 people in my town, like a very small community. And I decided to go to the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. And so a university with 40,000 people. And so I think it was one of those, I grew up my whole life knowing everyone, everyone knowing me. I wanted to be able to go someplace where I could be a nobody and be okay with that. And so 
my brother was there at the time as well. So I knew I had someone, but it was one of those, Hey, if it doesn't work out and I'm overwhelmed, I can always transfer. So it was an option. So I decided to go three and a half hours away. So far enough that my parents, you know, couldn't see me all the time. And I really had to figure <laughs> things out. Like if I got homesick, I couldn't just go home at the drop of a hat. Like it had to be kind of worked through. And so I got to school. And one of the first things I remember visiting my brother prior to going. And one of the things he took me to was a fighting Illini football game. And from there, I was hooked. I've always enjoyed watching athletic events and events itself. But it wasn't until like I went there to be in the atmosphere of something so big I had never experienced before. And, you know, going through college, I went to football games, I went to basketball games, I went to concerts, but it wasn't until I think my junior year that the assembly hall at the time, it's now a different name, but they had an externship. I had never heard of this, but it was essentially... Um, What's that again? An, an, an externship? An externship. So all right, all right. Interesting. An externship, um, and it was essentially for a handful of mentor kind of meetings and kind of conversations. And at the end of it, you got to work or like shadow someone working a live event. And so I got to talk to the director of marketing at the time, the director of group sales, and kind of just talk through them, their job. And the show I ended up working was a Foo Fighter show. Oh, lucky, lucky. I wasn't a fan. I appreciated the music, but then just to be as you know, as we work in it under the lights with the crowd, you know, backstage, seeing how everything works, I was hooked. You know, it really took until, you know, college that I understood that A, I could work in something like this and really use the things that I love doing and have it be a part of my career. In college, I was fortunate enough to work for the athletic department in marketing and sports information. I then got into the assembly hall as an actual intern to be able to do a little bit more after I fell in love of the externship. And so, you know, I got the sports side, I got the event side. It opened my eyes to so many things. Well, and then you ended up becoming an EAMC intern, right? Was that when you were in college? How did you find out about that? Was that the local venue that you were shadowing kind of tipped you off to it? Or how did you stumble into that? So Prior to my senior year, I applied for the internship for the following school year. So it wouldn't start until the fall. And I was fortunate enough to be picked as one of the interns for the year. And Jenny Larson, who was the director of um, marketing at the time, kind of let me know, hey, there's a conference that I go to. They look for interns. Technically, because you've been hired, even though you haven't done the job yet, you can apply to be an intern. So I did. And a and I, I was picked. And so my first really foray before really doing a job at school at university was the EAMC conference in Dallas, Texas. And so I was, you know, about to start my senior year, I had been thrown into this conference to be able to do, you know, what I could during the conference, but then to see all these people within the industry it shocked me, like the energy, you know, everyone being so excited to be there and, you know, the, the relationships that I could see that people had. It was, it was eye-opening and inspiring. And obviously I'm on the board now. So hook, line and sinker, it got me. <laughs> we are so glad you're part of EAMC and uh, everything there and, and uh, excited to work with you on a live event for uh, 2022 as we bring things back in person there. But 
uh, take us back to those early assembly hall days at, at State Farm Arena now. Yeah. But right, this was a traditional, you know, college town venue. Am I right that at the time, no air conditioning? No air conditioning. I can't, like, I'm going back. I can't remember. Like, you guys I didn't do a lot right. of shows in the summer. I think that was all part of the recent renovation there. Yes. No, I think you're right. I think that there were, weren't a lot in the summer, but I think that most of the events were during the school year in the wintertime and it was cool enough that, you know, it wasn't too hot, even with the thousands of people. You're right. Wow. Going back, Dave, I, you know. There are a lot, a, lot of, a lot of talent has come out of Assembly Hall there. Uh, Dave knows his uh, venue AC really well. He's, <laughs> he's got it all down pat. On the side, I'm trying to get a venue AC conference started. EA, EA, I don't know, AC. I'm working on it. There you go. Um, but from there, you take a little trip uh, out of Illinois and up to Wisconsin. So take yeah. us through, take us through your your kind of time and that, how that transition happened for you. Yeah, and and this was a funny story too. You know, my senior year, I'm coming up to a, you know graduating and realizing I need a job, and so you know I pull out my EMC book that I'd had since the summer and started just emailing people to set up informational meetings. You know, I'd already planned some trips to see friends and family over the summer. So, you know, I went all over the spectrum. I, you know, went and had an informational meeting at Spadison Square Garden. I went to um, the U.S. Tennis Association in New York. I was out in L.A., you know, I dreamed big coming from, you know, little Midwest girl. And then, you know, I saw that there was someone from Milwaukee. And so I'm like, you know, that's not far from home. You know, that'll be my backup. And so I applied to all these places and no one really had a marketing position open except for Milwaukee. And so Paul Jansen at the time, it was the Bradley Center. It's now been demolished and they have a new building, the Fison Forum. But Paul Jansen at the time answered my email, set up a, an interview. And next thing I know, I was hired as a marketing coordinator at a building that essentially didn't have a marketing department. And so they essentially had a lot of people kind of do what they could to announce, show, get things done, but there was no official marketing person. It was Doesn't kind that of, kind of blow your mind now? Right. It, yeah. I Jeez. mean, it was one of those, like, as I came in, I found out I had my first job. I was so excited. And as I was getting training, it was like, oh, this person helped me with this part of the job. This person helped me with this person, you know, and it was like, I'm pulling so many things off of people's plates to do marketing that I'm like, wow. Like people were spread thin, but they got things done. But, you know, I could tell that once I really got into my groove and learned how to do my job, that people were like, I don't know how we did it without you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so like, like marketing is sometimes uh, afterthought when you talk to people that are in operations, you know, everyone is so laser focused on making sure the event goes smoothly Yeah, that people in operations are kind of like, oh, okay, well, we'll market it or that'll do its own, you know, it'll, it'll kind of handle its own. So it, it is kind of this funny thing where I'm sure, like you said, everyone was dividing it up. And then when you came in, they're like, oh, wow. So we can really spread the word on this a lot if we have someone in marketing. Right. Why didn't we do this a long time ago? <laughs> and, you know, I'm so glad that I ended up deciding to go and work in Milwaukee because um, that was 2008. And so then following year, the market crashed. And so no one oh, was yeah. getting getting jobs and, you know, touring kind of took a hit because of, you know, where things were. And so it was an interesting time. They unfortunately kept me on and I was able to kind of learn through that process. But throughout my career, I've been through a market crash. I've been through 
you know, a pandemic. And so, you know, we'll see what happens in the next decade. <laughs> a decade yeah, of nothing eventful, hopefully. Nothing, yeah. Nothing crazy. <laughs> so, you know, how do you get then from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where you spent, you spent about nine years there mm-hmm. uh, to, to Sacramento? Yeah. So Milwaukee was great. You know, it was such a family. It was an interesting dynamic because, you know, towards the end of my career there, it was in a headspace that everyone knew that the building was kind of on its last leg. The the Milwaukee Bucks has gotten new ownership. There was going to be a new building. And so everyone was kind of in a position of where does that take us? And because of the new ownership and trying to figure out, you know, who they're going to interview to move forward and what they were going to do with positions. I knew that I wasn't just going to be grandfathered in that regardless, I was going to have to re-interview for my job. And so I hadn't really um, done anything outside of my initial interview nine years prior in that sense of being interviewed. And so I started to kind of look around and honestly, you know, I saw the position open at Sacramento and I didn't think I was qualified enough. I was like, this is great. Like, it's a great position. I would love to be there someday. So why not just interview for, you know, hone up on my interview skills um, that once, you know, Milwaukee's ready to kind of get to me, you know, I'll be ready and I'll have already kind of brushed up and kind of gotten my skills in mind. And so next thing I know, I'm three interviews deep, they're flying me out and I've been given a position or not given, but, you know, they've, asked me to join their team. And, you know, I think it was on the plane ride over with my husband that I'm like, okay, so if they give me this job, we're really <laughs> going to have to talk about this. Like, you know, would we right. move, you know, and so actually I actually have to decide. Yeah. And honestly, it was one of those, like, you know, I, I didn't think I was there yet. I was a manager at the time. I had been there at a, um, for a few years and, you know, that was always going to be my next step, but was I ready for that? Did I think I was there yet? No. But I'm glad that I, you know, took that initiative to kind of interview for something that I didn't think that I was qualified for to know that, you know, jumping in, I really was, I just had never pushed myself to really get and do what I was capable of. You know, I, I think I had gotten stagnant a little bit and kind of used to, you know, how things were done. You know, I, Milwaukee was home. It was comfortable and I had gotten into a rhythm and I think I had gotten a little complacent honestly and so going out to Sacramento really pushed me professionally to a hone my skills make sure like utilize everything I've learned but also make sure that all the ideas that have been running through my mind where I'd have to kind of you know pass on to my boss I was now the boss that I could kind of implement and try to get people to do things. And so it was exciting. It was fun. And I got the, you know, given the position my husband and I are like, we don't have kids, you know, there's nothing holding us back. So why not take something that is actually given versus holding back and waiting for a possibility? Because, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen in Milwaukee. So I took the job, moved and haven't looked back. Was it interesting going from a building with an NBA team to another building with an NBA team? Was that comfortable or was it kind of, you know, were you seeing the difference? And obviously you're doing a lot of arena marketing at both, but 
you know, what was that experience like, you know, kind of going from a protein building to another protein building? Because a lot of people yeah. that, you know, listen or work in this industry may not have a protein at all or might have hockey or, you know, NBA. But was there some way that you were able to kind of pull some of that knowledge of partnerships and implement it um, in Sacramento? Yeah, I would say a lot of that kind of came to be. We're in Milwaukee at the time. I think they've changed um, how things work currently, but I was a part of the nonprofit that ran the building and the Milwaukee Bucks were a tenant. And so we were very much separated. So as much as we wanted to try to do promotions in game, it was like a process to get things approved and really yep, kind of yep. work through their organizations to get things done. When I went to Golden One Center and the Sacramento Kings, they are much more aligned with each other. And so, you know, when it came to Kings games and things like that, it wasn't a, hey, can I get something in? They reached out to me and said, hey, Kim, we've got availability. Do you have a show you'd like to promote? And so it like opened my eyes to be like, wow, okay. So we are really kind of in a different type of mindset. And so let's really kind of utilize the, the King side to get things done. And so I was always under the premise of as an arena, as a show, we don't have a ton of money to do certain things. An NBA team, they have a much larger budget and things that they can do and team members to really kind of do things. And so, you know, I could utilize the entertainment team. I could utilize group sales and, you know, really help push our events. And so it took a little bit of coaching and certain levels, but, you know, it was much easier to kind of really integrate into the team side because we are one in the same. One thing, Kim, that, that I really taken away from talking to you today is wouldn't it be cool if, you know, you, here you were in a very, you know, uh, unique situation uh, in Milwaukee and you kind of said, I don't know if I could do this, but wouldn't it be cool if I just interviewed for it? And I'm going to speak directly to everybody listening today because I think we've all had those moments where we think, oh, wouldn't that be cool? But we never act on it. You actually did. And I think that's that's just awesome. Congratulations to you. And I think that that's a real inspiration to a lot of the folks out there listening today who maybe think that I don't know if I'm qualified for that yet or I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of change. But you went ahead and, and took the leap and, and it's been a great opportunity for you. It really has. And, you know, prior to this call and talking to you, I've kind of just like sat back and thought about my journey. And in certain days, I still feel like I'm that intern or that like fresh out of college marketing person that, you know, has so much to learn. And, you know, it really blew my mind the first time I had staff that I was training and helping them start their career that I was like, oh, I'm that person now that's like helping, you know, lead the new generation of marketers for arena marketing. And so yeah, you are. It, it really threw me off because I didn't think I was there or old enough to be in that position, but Hey, you know, it, it's an exciting time that I still feel like there's so much to learn, but I'm glad that I'm able to kind of pass on the knowledge of what knowledge I have to the next group of people. And, you know, kind of alluding back to like the King side, really teaching people the arena side of things. And because of the furloughs and things of that sort of the pandemic, I have taken on more King's marketing initiatives. And so really working with teams and then also educating them on the arena side, because it is so different and how things work takes a different type of process. So, you know, in a way it's kind of making sure that we're all aligned and kind of on the same page. And so while it may not be a direct like contact for me to assist with 
in growing their career, it is working with other departments to really open up their eyes to the arena side. Well, I think there's this shared struggle too that happened in the last year, right? Whereas in previous years, you would have the team side and you would have the venue side and there might be some sort of friction there or one saying they're more important than the other or we bring in more events or we have more money. But I think over this last year, everyone went through that ringer together, you know, like the teams and the, and who cares who is most important? Guess what? This pandemic shut us both down and we're both trying to restart. So hopefully that's brought about this new perspective on both sides and allowed, you know, teams and buildings to better partner and have a new, you know, outlook on how they can help, you know, raise that tide and bring both programs back. Agreed. Kim, uh, you know, you talked about exciting uh, times and passing the knowledge along to the next generation. I feel like this is an appropriate time to ask you about the most exciting news uh, for you personally. You are you're a new mom, right? I am a new mom. Five weeks now. Um, it's been amazing. <laughs> um, we took a, you know, a different path where when we found out that we couldn't have our own biological children. And so we went through the process of adoption and five weeks ago. You know, I went to bed with just me and my husband. The next morning, I woke up to a text that changed our lives. You know, by that afternoon, we were on a plane. And a week later, we came home with our new son. So it's been great. <laughs> What's his name? So exciting. His name is Donovan. And for someone who is only five weeks old, there's so much personality. And, you know, I never realized how many diapers you go through with a newborn, <laughs> how much laundry as such a tiny human can make, but it's been such fun. And one of the you know benefits of being able to work from home is really being able to spend time with him in these first few, you know, years, weeks, months of his life. Yeah. And, you know, and I hope that, you know, as long as I can work from home, I'm going to continue to do it. And that's something as well is that I'm still currently working. And so I think I had a little bit of trauma being furloughed for so long that I kind of went to my HR and said, I know I have a new child, but I think that I'd still like to work as long as I can, you know, mentally, as long as I'm capable, because I can't, I can't just go back to nothing because I did nothing and it was great, but I don't want to go back there just yet. <laughs> right. What a, a big uh, change of time for you, and, and congratulations. We're also happy for you. I know that's the abbreviated version, and it was quite the, uh, the journey to get to where you are today. But uh, I can truly speak for, for so many of us who've come to know you over the years at EAMC when our, our hearts are truly just filled with joy for you and your, your husband Absolutely. as we begin this, begin this next chapter. Thank you. And it was amazing to feel all the love for someone that we didn't even know existed until five weeks ago. So, you know, it's been amazing to kind of just feel, you know, regardless of where we are in our lives of when I met them, that how much of the love I felt outpouring once we kind of made that announcement about Donovan. That's great. This podcast is brought to you by Carbon House. Tired of your 10 year old venue website? Does it take you 30 minutes to add an event? Pulling your hair out, hoping your website will survive that next big on sale? Well, it is time for an upgrade and Carbon House is there to help. Carbon House, a proud partner of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference for well over a decade, is obsessed with making the event marketer's life easier. They don't just make beautiful websites. They make beautiful websites that are simple to manage and sell more tickets. 
Find out why your peers rave about Carbon House and visit them at www.carbonhouse.com. Built exclusively for event and arena marketers. Now it's showtime. Over 68% of the country is now streaming their TV content. With live events finally coming back, are you getting your message in front of your potential customers who are streaming? Traditional television advertising is becoming a thing of the past. Over the Top Marketing specializes in buying OTT and connected TV media, and that is all they do. Over the Top finds your potential ticket buyers in the specific geography that makes sense for the event. Over the Top has become a leader in the OTT space, even if you're already working with an agency. It'd be worth your time to compare services and pricing. Don't blanket a campaign when you can target it. Work with the top OTT agency in the live event industry. Go to OTTLiveEvents.com now to learn more and get a free assessment of your needs. That's OTTLiveEvents.com or you can call 1-888-212-8714. Before we wrap things up here, uh, you know, things are rocking again at the Golden One Center. You're working from home, but you guys are announcing lots of shows. Kind of where are you guys at right now in the uh, the scheme of things? We are in a new spot. Um, our governor yesterday opened up the California. We are at 70% vaccinated. And so anyone that's been vaccinated doesn't have to wear a mask. And currently until I believe October 1st, any event that we have, we're just asking that people are fully vaccinated or take a negative test. And so I was really unsure if these events were going to happen a month or two ago, but we are moving forward. We've got our first event, PBR, followed up by Monster Jam. And so, you know, we are rolling. In August here, we're going to um, have our first ev- major event in, I don't even know how long. A long time, way too long. <laughs> too long, Yes. Throughout this whole run, you know, one of the things that I, I noticed, you know, I see a lot on, on Golden One Center social media is that you guys are, are great with social activism and, and community partners. You know, you have the giant video screens on the, the sides of the arenas, right, where you display like you right now, I think something special for Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to me about uh, kind of how Golden One Center has decided to become and, you know, and, and even you personally, I know you're a member of our DEI committee as well with the Event and Arena Marketing Conference. So talking about how, you know, this is important for the building and, and important for you. Yeah, I mean, it really came from the top down. You know, the owner of the Kings, um, Vivek Ranadive, he is very passionate about social issues. And so from there, it's kind of a, as an organization, it's what can we do for our community, for our various groups within the organization. And so it's always been something since I've been there that has been a priority, which is amazing. During the start of my career, I didn't quite feel that. Towards the end, it started to ramp up, unfortunately, because of the many things that were happening in the world. But, you know, to really be a part of an organization that takes the next step further and make sure that they are doing whatever they can to bring any assistance, any kind of recognitions to all communities. It's been an amazing kind of way to be a part of it. And for those that can't see me, I am an Asian American woman. Uh, My husband is biracial. So he is black and white. And my son is African American. And so knowing that we were doing adoption and growing up as like the 
very few Asians within a very small community. It was something that was near and dear to my heart because my family is very diverse. And so I wanted to make sure that I did my part to push my message, my son's message, anyone's message, really, that all voices need to be heard and everyone has a story to tell. And so you need to be able to give them that platform to tell said story. But, you know, it hasn't been something that has been so easily done as it is in today's world. But even with the ease of being able to tell the said story, we have to be able to have the, you know, the allies to kind of push it as well. And so I think that, and I'm rambling here, but kind no, of this like, is good stuff. No, not at all. Not at um, all. You know, within my professional career, being able to do that within my volunteerism with the conference and being able to help push that as well and making sure that the industry continues to push itself. And then personally, you know, making sure that I do my part to learn and educate myself and just really be able to let everyone know about various issues within, you know, that could happen to my family. It could happen to everyone's family. And so it's a part of my life, regardless if I acknowledge it or not. So why not? you know, take that step and just do something about it and take my, the advantages that I've been given to speak up and kind of talk about, you know, issues and things that we can do to help push communities to be better. I think, you know, it's such an important message. And, and, and I think you are a, a great example of that because from that, that externship to that EAMC internship, to the connections you made, because someone said, no, why not Kim? Wouldn't it be cool if she could go and intern at EAMC or wouldn't it be cool? And so you had those opportunities that I don't want to say they were given to you, but you you worked for them. But wouldn't it be cool if we can continue to offer those opportunities and find people and get them into the industry and create a more uh, diverse industry as a whole? That's a goal of EAMC. I know a goal of our DEI committee and and I know it's something that's important to you. So I, I I do appreciate you taking the time to speak on that. Yeah, no, not a problem. All right. So before we let things go on a, on a little bit of a lighter note, we like to do a little, uh, our fast five, right? So we're just five dun, quick dun. questions. Da, 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 da. All right. So here we go. I know you're ready. <laughs> First concert. In sync. Your favorite concert. John Legend. Last TV show you binged was. Oh, um, Snowpiercer. Oh, nice. Uh, how about your favorite venue that you haven't worked at? Um, uh, Staples Center. <laughs> How about your, your theme song? So the, Kim Allen has got her own uh, TV crews that follow around her, her high you know, jet set in life there in Sacramento. Uh, and, and it's all about you. The TV show is all about you. What is the song that plays over the opening credits to the Kim Allen show? Dynamite by BTS. I have a sucker for poppy, happy BTS. pop music. <laughs> oh man, love it. And it can you know, you listen to it and it ha- can't help put a smile on your face. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's what people have to say when they, when they hang out with you though, too, Kim. So we appreciate you uh, joining us for, for, uh, for this today. Before we let you go, uh, any uh, plugs you want to give, uh, social media, where can people find you? Um, yeah, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I cut the cord on Twitter and the other ones just because it wasn't making me happy. And so find me on Instagram, Kim Allen 822 and, uh, you know, I'm not as active as I once was, but you know, when I do post, it's big monster announcements. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and Golden One's a great follow on, uh, on social too. So you can find all their uh, links there through their website. Uh, Kim, thanks again for taking the time to join us today. We really do appreciate uh, all your, your wouldn't it be cool if adventures. Oh, 
Oh, yes. And I love that. That's the way you took it. And wouldn't it be cool if this could go on forever? I uh, completely think we're right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, thanks to everybody for listening to Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.